The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain. It's to teach. Put days like today into context, because I know you need it. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Forget no country for old men. This is no market for young investors, including today, where a hideous tech sell-off ultimately crushed nearly everything. The Dow sinking 35 points, a huge decline when it was up 300 points, while the S&P plunged 1.04%, and the Nasdaq, weak from the get-go, plummeted 2.55%. If you're a grizzled veteran like me, this market is pretty straightforward. But for the younger demo, it could be both confusing and terrifying. And tonight, I'm going to change that. Tonight, I'm giving younger investors my handbook of what did just fine in City Estate and why those stocks will keep winning, along with why the stocks that are melting down will likely keep melting down until they merge or trade at levels too low to be believed or for something that makes the selling stop. I dare not know what that be. I say this is a market for grizzled veterans because if a company's only been publicly traded for, say, let's be arbitrary, a dozen years, it's most likely getting crushed right now. These modern stocks have become what we call, we call in the business sources of funds. Sell, sell, sell. And that's what drove today's sell-off, sources of funds. It includes many stocks in the NASDAQ where it got really ugly today. There are so many of them, and they've become untouchable for now. Even if the underlying companies are doing well, and we've got two on tonight that they are doing very well, the stocks have become so awful that by the end of the day, they've managed to drag down nearly everything. Of course, it's not just the NASDAQ. If you're in the semiconductor business, the chip business, and your stock trades on the New York Stock Exchange, it's been annihilated, too. Remember, I showed you Frito-Lay chips and a semi-chip. One tastes a lot better than the other. Look, I'm going to talk about what's wrong with those stocks later in the show. Right now, I'd rather focus on the groups that are working because you know what I say at the end of every show. There's always a bull market somewhere. When I say the losers have become sources of funds, we have to talk about where those funds are going. Where are the remaining bull markets? Remember, 40% of the S&P was up at the beginning of the day. That wasn't the case at the end of the day. 
And in a bad tape like this, the stocks that work stick out like sore thumbs. Let's go down my sore thumb stock list. A little cinema verte. Okay. Um, first, if a company mines or extracts minerals, then as long as it's not a SPAC play like MP materials, its stock has been roaring, even if it got hit this afternoon. Alcoa is going from $5 to $41 in just over a year. Their aluminum is used to make cars lighter. Freeport McMoran surged from $9 to $42 in that same period. Their, co- their copper is used to build everything, especially, though, electric vehicles, which can use up to $200 of copper per car. So it's a good time to be in the copper business. There's not enough of it. These raw materials companies are second nature to an old guy like me. I remember when, when Phelps Dodge got, that used to be the biggest copper company. But younger investors probably haven't spent much time thinking about all the things that aluminum or copper go into. Look, I don't blame them. If you came of age after the financial crisis, you had no reason to think about Alcoa or Freeport whatsoever. In a decade of stagnation, who would ever worry about them? But the economy's booming now. And this is what works during a boom. And you have to understand that a boom drives you out of some stocks and into others, even though they're boring. And same goes for the oils. I don't care for the oil industry in general, but there are two that I'm willing to recommend. If you want a big dividend, I trust Chevron more than any other. If you want growth, I like Pioneer Natural Resources. I know the management well. They're terrific at finding oil. I can't blame anyone who wants to avoid fossil fuels on principle, but you have to know why their stocks are roaring here. You need to see that these are demand-driven, meaning their customers are desperate for their products. Then there are the infrastructure stocks, obviously, because we have an infrastructure bill. If you own anything steel, meaning anything that can be used to make steel or move steel or dig holes and take minerals out of the ground, then you got a winner. Caterpillar is the best bunch. Decade ago, they bought a mining company, Bucyrus, and that acquisition's finally paid off. It's mining equipment. Plus, they make everything you need to build new highways. Deer has lots of agricultural exposure, but its machines can dig some terrific holes and move a lot of dirt. United Rentals has a ton of machines. They're renting them, hence the name. Next up is a company that builds houses. It's stocks that can find buyers, whatever you say. I mean, we can find them for you, okay? Uh, and, and that's the demand from housing that has to do with moving from the cities, and it's off the charts. Between low interest rates and the COVID-driven exodus from the cities, you aren't going to be able to find a nice house that doesn't have multiple bidders, meaning you'll have to pay more for it than you thought. So you just borrow the money, which, of course, is cheap because the Fed wants to keep the economy moving and create jobs. And that means Lenar. It means Toll Brothers. It means D.R. Horton. They're all loved. And that love extends to anything related to home improvement and home furnishings, which all have amazing demand. Let's do Williams-Sonoma on the high end, Wayfair on the lower end. How about Lowe's and Home Depot, both of which are getting a boost from this excellent gardening season, by the way. Staley, Black & Decker, we had them on. Remember, they sell goods and tools that renovate. People don't like the quarters. Up 10 points. Best Buy, yes. How about a home theater? All winners. If a company makes a consumer product and has a good enough brand name that it can raise prices to pass on rising costs, that's a winner, too. Think PepsiCo. Think Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble. And by the way, thanks to a weak dollar, it just hit a 10-week low. These are even more attractive because they're now more competitive overseas. Plus, they've got good buybacks and good dividends, so they get support on days like today. If a company takes goods from one place to another, particularly steel, you have to have something worth buying. Right there. Moves it from here to there. I'm a buyer. J.B. Hunt, Norfolk Southern. Cummins for the engines in the trucks. A bank. Any bank. Why? Because banks are being reviewed by the government. And if they pass these so-called stress tests, they're going to get to buy back stock and raise dividends. The financials are classic early cycle names. They tend to make big money when the economy starts booming. 
Mall stores, incredibly, are back. Simon Properties, good number tonight. But what I'm looking at is L Brands, American Eagle Outfitters, Gap. That's that lag trade, as suggested by J.P. Morgan, ace analyst Matthew Boss. You, uh, your stocks did just fine today. If a company does anything in ag, agriculture, whether it be Mosaic for fertilizer, Deer Agco, one of our faves, well, it's a winner. With all sorts of crops selling at all-time highs, you want to be in this business. If a company makes chemicals like Dow or DuPont, they're making big money. Demand is strong, but more important, supply is limited, often because winter storm Uri took out so much capacity. If a company's in the drug business and it has a dividend and it's storied and it's got a buyback, its stock will attract buyers, even if it's not a particularly good drug company. The market has no problem with mediocre houses and good neighborhoods these days. So what's the commonality here? All right, let me spell it out. The stocks that held up today are the ones that belong to companies with products that are in strong demand while supply remains limited. Remember that X10 class you took? You can say the same thing for the stocks themselves. More buyers than sellers, as they say on Wall Street. It's become a supply and demand market, not a market share market or a land and expand market or a total addressable market or a go-to market. Too many younger investors only know what they see in their cell phone. They know apps and games. In some cases, they know short positions. But they don't know what's right in front of them. All this iron and steel and aluminum machinery, in part because those stocks spent years lost in the wilderness, and now they found Canaan. But the bottom line, with a booming economy, everything new is being sold, while the old-school companies with products that are in short supply also have stocks that are in short supply, which is why they held up so well in today's onslaught, and why I think they'll keep climbing, even if everything else keeps going down. So, buy the sore thumbs. Write them down. Take a picture. Snap a picture. These are sore thumbs. I'll throw in some steel if you want, too. Because the others, well, let's just say you got to wait till the coast is clear. I want to speak to Josh in Iowa. Josh. Booyah, Jim, from the cornfields of Iowa. How are you? I am good. How about you? Great. Uh, So I already have a position in in domestic steelmakers. Okay. I've been looking at adding ArcelorMittal since they seem to be one of the biggest multinational steel producers. And I watched their... um, they posted their best quarter one earnings in a decade because of right. the steel shortage and all these crazy high steel prices. So I'm wondering what your take on. No, actually, I like that. I like the one, the division that they sold off the cliffs, CLF. I think that's the one you want to be in. And let's not forget Nucor. OK, Nucor is terrific. It's just ultimately a great, great company. All right. Now we're going to. Oh, man, there's some stocks that are getting killed even in the after hours. Why don't we go to John in California? John. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, John. What's going on? I want to ask you about Novartis. I've been in the name for years now, reinvesting the generous the generous dividends. Right. But I feel like the stock has struggled to break out above ninety. Boy, are you is ever right about that? Sell? Yeah, it is. Okay, I have like a half dozen drug stocks I like more than that. I mean, I, I, I really, I mean, on my conference call, they're going to talk about on Thursday for the club members of Action Alerts. Go over this. So you, you can own bad drug companies and they'll work, but not those guys. I want to go to John, this time uh, John in Michigan. John. Hey, Jim. I uh, love the show. Oh, thank you. And uh, I was a bill, I'm a builder in Michigan. And whenever I've seen lumber prices triple like this, I've never seen them go back down. I wanted to know what you thought and what you think of uh, Weyerhaeuser stock. Weyerhaeuser's a very good company, and it's probably the right way to play this. I do worry that at some point there's going to be a tipping point, but it probably isn't going to come to the fall. I mean, I was making a lot of calls on lumber today, and unless uh, President Biden says that he went to Canada 
or told the Canadians, we're going to take the tariff off, you're going to be stuck with this. They have a lot more wood up there than they have here. Now, remember, trees, we got tons of them. We just need more sawmills. All right, the old school companies have products that are in short supply, and their stocks are in short supply, too. I want you to remember the sore thumbs. I've actually decided to cut the circulation from my finger so you'll remember the sore thumbs when things get better. Oh, well, Mad Money tonight, if you're trying to get a sense of the market's attitude toward cloud stocks, well, look no further than Ring Central. With the stock cut in half in less than three months, could the decline be a red flag or a buying opportunity? Let's talk to CEO. Then with Memorial Day just around the corner, I'm going off the charts to see if the start of summer could signal the start of a new investment strategy. And there's an auto company that you'll want to hear about. And the analytics are increasingly driving business decisions with the COVID pandemic, pushing companies to implement a data-driven digital transformation. But will it even matter? I'm eyeing one company that's banking on the trend, but you may not want to bank on it. So stay with the sore thumbs. Remember, I'm doing this. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also, a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed What do I mean when I say a group of stocks has gone out of style in the Wall Street fashion show? You know, that's one of my favorite statements. Well, just look at Ring Central RMG, the cloud-based communications and collaboration software play with a video kicker that actually competes with Zoom. Even after plunging from its highs in February, Ring Central still can't catch up. 
Last Tuesday, the company reported a truly excellent quarter. It was a clean beat. And it raised strong guides. What happened? Well, the stock actually got crushed. It was down nearly 20% last week. At this point, Ring Central's down an astounding more than 40% from its highs roughly three months ago. It's now rolled back nearly all of its gains during the pandemic. Of course, there's some issues here. The subscription guidance was somewhat confusing, and they're embroiled in a legal battle with Zoom. Uh, we got to talk about that. But can they really justify a 40% plus decline in the stock when the underlying company's putting up such strong numbers? Isn't that what we really have to know about? Let's take a closer look with Vlad Schmunis. Yes, the founder, chairman, CEO of Ring Central. Get a better read on where his company's headed. Mr. Schmunis, welcome back to Mad Money. Hello, Jim. Thank you so much for having me back. All right, Vlad. First, let's talk about some really good news that you had today. It looks like you've got another big partner, maybe the biggest, which is Verizon. What does it mean? Because your partnerships have historically actually produced numbers for your shareholders. We differentiate on partnerships. Uh, Verizon is uh, obviously the latest. We announced just today. It's one of the top two uh, U.S., Carriers, service providers, is actually, along with AT&T, they're two of the top 10 worldwide. Uh, a few months ago, we announced uh, Vodafone Group. So that would be not three out of top 10 worldwide. So we, we could not be happier with this progress and with this traction and vote of confidence by these um, major, uh, major companies. As far as what it could mean, look, Verizon is Verizon. Uh, they uh, speak for approximately 40% of uh, U.S. market. We're starting with them, with the enterprise segment. That's the first for us. So those are companies with 1,000-plus employees. Verizon happens to be serving 99% of Fortune 1,000 companies. So we, we could not be happier. We feel uh, we have a partner for our dreams here. All right, so Vlad... Uh, I try, of course, we all try to find out what's going on with stocks and, and why the stocks seem to be diverging from the fortunes of companies. And I found one line in your conference call where you talk about uh, that, that, that the pandemic is proving to be a catalyst for a meaningful pull forward of awareness and adoption. I was wondering whether people say, well, it's pulled forward. So the second half of the year just can't possibly be strong since it's already been pulled forward. Uh, yeah, no, I think it got misinterpreted because nothing could be farther from the truth. Ring Central is not a pandemic story. Ring Central was growing consistently at 30% plus for many, many years. And as a matter of fact, just last quarter, we uh, showed numbers that, uh, as far as growth is concerned, that we last saw when the company was less, less than a third of its current size. It's obviously very hard, much harder to maintain high growth when you have a uh, large base to grow from. So uh, we are seeing uh, green lights everywhere. And uh, what we meant by the comment on earnings is saying, look, with a pandemic, people are even more open and more alert to the fact that legacy infrastructure. So these are your traditional PBXs from companies like Cisco, companies like uh, Mitel, NEC, stuff like that. So that infrastructure is now dated, needs to be replaced by the cloud. With pandemic hopefully being almost over, that demand will not cease. We are seeing improving uh, tailwinds. And actually, we had a very good month of April as well. Okay, well, the good month of April and all that news, could it possibly be this spat that you're having 
with Zoom, where Zoom says that you're still of the uh, marketing to older clients. I know you've got Ring Central Video now. Older clients are using Zoom and they've asked you to stop and you continue to do it. Could that be confusing people into selling Ring Central? Uh, I hope not. Uh, certainly, we don't see it in our results. Uh, I believe that our customers and our prospects are, first and foremost, are quite happy with Ring Central Video, which is our proprietary product. Uh, most people, vast majority of people, were going with RCV uh, to begin with. Look, uh, Jim, uh, there are multiple ways to end relationships. And uh, we had a strong partnership with Zoom for over eight years. And there are ways to wind down gracefully. And then there are other ways. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Zoom chose the, the letter. But be that as it may, uh, look, uh, we have our 20-year history and our mm-hmm. unblemished record of partnering with the best of them, Verizon being uh, the latest installment. Right. Uh, and uh, th- our record will speak for itself. Again, it's unfortunate uh, how the thing is played out. But in the big scheme of things, moving forward, we do have a world-class proprietary product called Ring Central Video, which is enjoyed by all of our customers okay. at this point, our, our, our new customers, as well as uh, all of our uh, new partners, uh, including Verizon. All right. So we well, look, but congratulations on the big Verizon win. Let's see what happens with these, you know, whatever regard is very high priced or sales and priced earning stocks. I mean, that's what's going on, Vlad, because that quarter was an excellent quarter that you put up. Vlad Nunes, founder, chairman, and CEO of Ring Central. Always good to have you on the show, sir. Thank you, Jim. Look, it, it's not, it, it's not, it's not the company. The numbers were great. That's Vlad Nunes, founder, and chairman, and CEO of Ring. RNG. Take a look at it. It'll come back. But right now, these are out of style. Man, money's back in. Coming up, live from New York, it's Elon Musk. Kramer goes off the charts on Tesla and more. Next. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. All right, forget sell in May and go away. Uh, that stupid ditty, uh, it costs you fortunes, particularly if you buy the Dow Jones stocks over the years. Now, if you want to trade based on the calendar, you need to be rigorous about spotting real patterns with a history of paying off. 
That's why tonight we're going off the charts with the help of Larry Williams. He's a legendary technician who's been trading stocks, futures, and commodities since I was little. He's a great writer. He's written more than a dozen books, created a bunch of technical indicators, too, ones that the charters still use every day. Most importantly, though, I think Williams is the master of spotting seasonal patterns that can be gamed. Not gamification, but predictable. And right now, we've got a big one coming up. It's not going to happen. Can't come up soon enough because, boy, are we struggling here, right? I'm talking about the Memorial Day trade. This one has a long history. Williams has been talking about the Memorial Day trade since he published The Secret of Selecting Stocks way back in 1973. Now, granted, the hottest stocks in the Nixon administration are not the hottest stocks today, but the overall pattern still works. So what is it? All right, so I'm going to show you the chart, and then I'm going to show you the history, okay? So you just want to need to write down the name of the stock, but you're going to get validated here. You can think of them as summertime stocks. They're the companies that naturally do a lot of business over the summer, whether we're talking sporting goods, equipment, or outdoor furniture, or even Kingsford charcoal from Clorox. Hey, maybe that's why Clorox stock acts so well. At the same time, Williams points out that car sales tend to pick up in summer, too. So the automakers exhibit the same seasonal pattern. More broadly, you usually see an uptick in retail sales as well. So anything that benefits from a rising tide of consumer spending also works. And again, this is not to be done tomorrow. This is to be done on the eve of Memorial Day. Right now, we got other problems, but this is going to work, I think. And we're going to start with the automakers, specifically one that can't get out of its own way, Tesla, and one that seems to have a lot of adherence, General Motors. So take a look at this chart of Tesla. The line in red is his seasonal forecast, okay? So look at that. That's not bad, right? Here's how it works. If you buy these summertime stocks the trading day before Memorial Day weekend, which is in three weeks, and then sell them one to 15 days later, you tend to make a bundle. Williams has tested it with each of these stocks. In the case of Tesla, if you bought it one day before the holiday, with a 10-point stop-loss order, and then sold it 10 to 15 days later, look at this, you averaged an astounding 5 to 8% gain. And for Tesla holders, I mean sufferers, that wouldn't be shabby, right? Best of all, it worked every single year for the last 10 years. So if you are looking for an entry point, by the way, into this great stock, it's not the Saturday Night Live. It's this. Next up, how about General Motors? Once again, Williams' seasonal pattern shows you that summer is a terrific time to own General Motors. Woo! If you bought the stock the day before Memorial Day weekend with a $4 stop-loss order, the best time to sell it was nine trading days later, and you averaged about a 2% gain historically. In other words, uh, from late May through mid-June, the automakers tend to be winners. Williams liked Tesla and GM. Now, regular viewers know I'm partial to Ford, although it's really been stalled of late. We just had a bad recall, too. Um, But that's more of a medium-term play. GM might be the better summertime stock, given the incredible quarter they just reported. Again, I want to cancel people. I'm sure some of you will just say, listen, why don't I buy calls? I don't recommend calls on the show, but I know that that is something that could give you, that could magnify the gain here if you wanted to. But I would not buy the the out-of-the-monies or the the at-the-monies. I'd buy the the in-the-monies. How about the pure summertime names? All right, this is when people love to go hiking, camping, trekking all over the place. So consider something like Newell Brands. That's the consumer goods conglomerate with eight different outdoor and recreational subsidiaries, which is why it had a great quarter last week, including Coleman for camping equipment. What's the pattern? Williams points out that this stock has a 42-year history of me, meaning we got a lot a lot of data to test this thesis. If you bought Newell the day before Memorial Day weekend, your best bet has been to sell it after six trading days. According to Williams, this trade has been successful every year for the last 42 years. If you're willing to hold for 15 days, he notes you average a larger gain, but that trade's only worked in 41 of the last 42 years, meaning high risk. All right, next up, 
the daily chart of Kramer Fave Camping World, the largest retailer of RVs and motorhomes in the U.S. We know there's a terrific bull market in RVs, right? Last summer, the industry sold so many that they came into 2021 with incredibly lean inventories, which has been incredible for pricing. I think the RV plays keep working as people who've been hiding indoors for the past year finally feel safe going outside again. Uh, And even as the great outdoors was always safe, let me just say that this quarter was incredible. Camping World hasn't been around for a long time. We've only got four years of data. But Williams points out that it shows the same pattern as every other of the summertime names. Now, if you bought Camping World on the day before Memorial Day weekend and then sold it 15 trading days later, you've averaged 3.3% gain. This trade has worked every time. Although, again, we're talking about a pretty small sample size. Still, Williams thinks it's a moneymaker and doesn't hurt the camping world. Seasonal pattern looks incredibly bullish right now, especially given the fact that it had an amazing quarter that nobody cared about. Finally, let's zoom out. As summer comes around, people tend to open up their wallets and start charging things on their credit cards. So sure enough, Williams points out that Visa has a terrific track record of rallying at this time of year. Based on the seasonal pattern on the daily chart, Visa should be good to keep climbing through mid-June, which jives with Memorial Day data. Speaking of the Memorial Day trade, if you bought Visa at the opening on the last morning before the holiday weekend with a $4 stop loss this time and then sold it any time within the next 15 days, you would have made money every year for the past dozen years. Best time to sell? Based on the data, it's nine trading days after the holiday. That's exactly what we see in the seasonal pattern, which predicts a terrific rally through mid-June followed by a pullback in the second half of the month, with the stock resuming its run again in July. And it is a great company. Now, I happen to think that each of these stocks works as a longer-term investment right now. GM, Tesla, Newell Brands, Camping World, Visa. Uh, you, you don't need to trade in and out of them. I don't like that when you do. You can buy them now, park your money there, as long as you keep up with the homework to make sure the fundamental story sticks out. But... The bottom line, the charts is interpreted by the legendary Larry Williams, say that as we approach Memorial Day weekend, you got an incredible trading opportunity in the summertime stocks. As long as you're nimble enough to pull off these trades, and if you want to do calls, I said, I bless it. The history is clear. These all tend to be moneymakers. Let's go to Nicholas in South Carolina. Nicholas. How you doing? I'm talking about Callaway, E-L-Y, ticker symbol. They own Topgolf. With everyone coming out of the lockdown during the pandemic and the summer approaching, Callaway looks really strong to me. What do you think about totally agree. Callaway and Hobie? I totally agree with you. I think the world of Callaway this is exactly the kind of stock that you want to be in right now. It's a really good call. Our viewers are incredibly smart. Let's go to Kevin in Florida. Kevin. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. I wanted to ask you about Five Below stock. Uh, it's done very well during the pandemic. Its operating income has jumped significantly from last quarter earnings, and they've changed their business model to include items that are greater than $5. So right. do you think this stock is a good investment? I think it's a good long-term investment. There are periods where Five Below, which happened to be located in the building that my mom worked, the old Lip Brothers building in Philadelphia, um, there is a, a moment in time where this stock swoops. I don't really understand. It tends not to be in conjunction with any news in particular. But you have to wait for the swoop because this kind of stock does swoon. And I don't want you to get hurt and say Jim said to buy it today, which I'm not. Look at that. We 100% problem. The Memorial Day trade has a long history. And the chart suggests you've got an incredible trading opportunity in these summertime stocks. I know it's such a hard day, but this this is the test of time. All right, much more mad money. I'm sitting down with the CEO of AlterX, and AlterX is about the digital transformation that nobody seems to care about at all right now. Then why? There are just too many defenseless stocks in this market. They're like does. They're like that rabbit that's being chased, the sushi rabbit, but he gets caught. 
Stay with me. And Oyer calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Can the enterprise software stocks go before they're safe to buy? Take Alterx. That's the analytics automation platform of the stock that peaked at 185 last summer. We're tumbling to the high 70s right now. That's like a lot of stocks, isn't it? Now, uh, and a lot of it is the rotation out of tech taking everything. But it didn't help when the company gave what some people thought was a discouraging full year forecast back in February. Now, last week, though, Alteryx reported a better than expected quarter. They raised their full year revenue guidance. And the stock actually managed to rally in response. You know how hard that is right now? Uh, given that the darn thing's still down 58% of its highs, though, it's tempting to declare that Alteryx has been punished enough. But before we try to call the bottom in this incredible market, we need a better sense of the story itself. So let's check in with Mark Anderson. He's the CEO of Alteryx. To learn more about the quarter and what's next, Mr. Anderson, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. Thanks so much for having me on. Great, right. to, great to see you. It's great to see you, Mark. The conference call was beautiful, and there's so many things. I'm going to pick one line. I'm going to allow you to explain it to people who are, not, who are too old to understand, okay? Because a lot of the stocks that are moving up are the old stocks. Uh, they can no longer, this is a company, can no longer tolerate knowledge workers delivering low strategic output for the enterprise. So you're talking about very smart people who work at companies who are using the wrong products. And if they use yours, things would go much faster. Well, yeah, I think so, Jim. I think what we're seeing is you know, digital transformation has gone from being a you know, nice to have, we'll get there to really a have to have, especially you know, in the midst of this pandemic. Companies are realizing that they've got to functionally and digitally transform and they, they can't do that unless they start transforming the skills of their knowledge workers. Well, I thought there was an absolutely uh, fantastic client that will give our people the view of what you guys do. The U.S. Census, because we all know, right? We're all part of the census, 330 million of us. They used to do what would take weeks, now happens in minutes. How is that possible? Well, that's the power of analytics automation. And, and really what we do for our customers is we take those knowledge workers that might have just basic skills on older 30-year-old software programs, and we, we with a, a few days of training, transform them into citizen data scientists by really using our you know, very, uh, very easy to use, you know, comfortable UI, drag and drop to, uh, to really help them get, get a handle on the data that's just sprawling all over the enterprise. And I think it's happening with every government, every customer that I talk to. But it's important to know that 39% of the Global 2000 currently use you. Now, I have to imagine when you can uh, save 4,000 employee hours at a social media company, what you're able to do is make it so you have a much leaner operation, a less expensive operation, uh, and, and people who, frankly, are from an older generation still using spreadsheets that may, unless they want to be retrained, don't fit into the organization. Yeah, you're so right, Jim. And I think, you know, listen, I've got a couple of daughters in their 20s and they're coming out of school with uh, with skills well beyond these these old world uh, software software platforms. But I think I think the story here is, you know, for us to deal with this massive shift that's going on in the enterprise, we've had to transform ourselves. You know, we we really started uh, taking a hard look at our go to market and, and, and took a look at how we were delivering our innovation and putting it in the hands of customers. Uh, and we went to work, you know, at the beginning of the fiscal year, 
to really drive a transformation there so that we put the right resources in front of the right customers that have the highest predisposition of need for our innovation. And it's really started to make a difference, as you can see from our Q1 results. Oh, absolutely. And I see you've just named a new uh, Paula Hansen, chief revenue officer. And you've got a very big conference, the Inspire Conference, May 18. What will we learn at that conference? Well, gosh, this is going to be our first ever you know, global virtual Inspire. And we've got well over 10,000 uh, know, zealots, I, I guess I can call them, that are coming to, you know, to really to share best practices, to, to learn you know, some of these best practices and, and really get, you know, get accreditation and certifications to be able to be better in their enterprises. And I think the thing that they're going to hear loud and clear is we're taking a, a big step forward with a, a journey to the cloud that we'll announce next Tuesday on Suresh Vital, our, uh, our, chief, our new chief product officer's uh, keynote. And, and they're going to learn about these, these really important partnerships that we've developed you know, key integration partners on the technical side like UiPath and, and uh, Snowflake, where you know, the, uh, our customers are looking for us, the vendors, to work together to integrate our innovations so that one plus one is a lot greater than two. Well, I thought that I'm was really great. excited it, about Paul as well. You should be. I mean, like you talk about uh, PwC, Adobe, very important. These are companies that we know. And we know that if you're in league with them and they're, and they're helping you and you get you have AWS. I don't know if any of us speak at the conference, but Mercedes-Benz, Kraft Heinz. I mean, obviously, you got the word out, but I know that you want to go bigger. I mean, that was one of the things that I, you know, people don't usually know about the, in, the inners of a company, but you're going for big. And I think that's right. Small to medium is, is not where the money is right now. Well, you're right. And, and you know, I think, listen, we're going to go uh, take care of our small to medium uh, sized customers with partners. You know, right. important for us to have partners that can build a business that that is, you know, can monetize that for us and deliver those customers with the right class of service. But we've really tried to narrow our focus uh, with you know salespeople and customer success managers that are going to be pointed at the largest customers. You know, the global two thousand and large government. I think that's where we think the vast majority of the total addressable market is. Couldn't couldn't agree more. I was really glad about this change in direction. That's Mark Anderson. He's the CEO of AlterX, which is just look. I mean, right now we're in some sort of sell mode, but this is the kind of company that really helps people save a lot of money and be just much smarter. Thank you so much, Mark. Great to see you. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Take care. These stocks will have their debt. It is not right now, but you got to remember the good ones. And this is one of them. Mad Money's back in Coming up next. Let's make money together. What do we got? Kramer's bringing the thunder and answering your burning questions in today's edition of The Lightning Round. Before we get to Lightning Round, I want to make sure you don't miss a major event. Tomorrow, we're bringing together top healthcare CEOs, technologists, investors to explore how the most innovative companies are addressing the coronavirus crisis and the lasting effects on the industry. Join leaders from Pfizer, Eli Lilly, the CDC, and more. Yours truly will be talking with Abbott CEO Robert Ford. Do not miss it. Register now at cbcevents.com slash healthy returns. And now it is time. It's over the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skeet Daddy, over the lightning round. Let's start with D in Florida. D. How are you, Jim? I am good, D. Thank you for asking. What's going on? Well, first, I want to thank you for sharing your insights all these years. You have been a blessing. 
to me. So booyah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you. Hey, tell it, say it on Twitter, man. I need a little help over there. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. How do we go to work? I want to talk today about Home Bank Shares. They're a bank out of Arkansas. They're an American bank. They have um, offices in New York, Alabama, Florida. It, uh, it, look, it's a good situation. Uh, I happen to like all these banks. This one's fine. Um, it, it's moved up a lot, but they all have. It's not that expensive. I like it. Let's go to Patrick in New York. Patrick. Aloha. How are you? I am good. How you about had, you? You had uh, about a month ago suggested I buy an airline, any airline, and I did. I picked my favorite airline, Hawaiian Holdings, Hawaiian Airlines, and it's up 37% since then, and it's almost at its pre-pandemic peak of $30. Yeah, but buy- it's a winner. It's a winner because we can go to Hawaii and not worry about all the craziness overseas. That's why I like Vegas, too. I would stick with Hawaiian Holdings, but my favorite remains Southwest Air. Let's go to Mike in California. Mike! Booyah! What's Booyah. going on, Jim? Thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you. Cool. I got a, uh, a stock that was a back-to-school reopening play. It was It's up uh, 190% since I joined it. I'm wondering if I should ride it a little longer or ride off into the sunset after ringing the register. It is. Uh, they sold um, a part of their publishing. They sold their publishing division to HarperCollins today and closed the deal for three hundred forty-nine million. The stock is Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, HMHC. You know, I have to. I can't cuff this one. I have to do work on it because I remember it from the old days, and it's just not the same company. So I've got to do work after the closing of this. I'm sorry that I am not ready, and on top of it, but I have to come back. Let's go to let's go to you in Illinois. You. Hey Jim, thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm glad you called. I got a question for you about a stock that I've had for about six months, and I've increased my position in several times. Okay. Their customer base and revenue has been increasing exponentially, and they've made some great acquisitions. I want to know your thoughts on Teladoc Health symbol TDoc. Okay, there are too many companies who are in that business, and that's why that stock is going down. There's there's an overwhelming supply of companies that do that and not as much demand. So I'm going to have to say, no, I would not buy more Teladoc. Let's go to Braden in Illinois. Braden. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Braden. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Okay. Uh, I've been watching your show since 2009. I was in college, and I sold ball cards to purchase my first stock. <laughs> my Excellent. first question is... <laughs> My first question is Marathon Petroleum. Uh, oh, I love Marathon Pete. I think Marathon Pete's terrific. And uh, even though it's had a big move, I will continue to buy it. It even reversed today. It's a really good opportunity. I like that very much. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. Trouble in the Department of Redundancy Department? Too many companies are too similar. And Kramer's throwing a red flag you won't want to miss. Next. At the top of the show, I described the handful of survivors of today's massacre because I always have to find the bull market somewhere. Now let's talk about the victims. I told you that the Golden Goose gets killed 
when there are too many IPOs and secondary offerings because they flood the market with excess supply. And that's exactly where we are now. There's a glut of new stock, mostly centered on digitization of everything, and not enough demand for those stocks from institutional money managers who are back in charge of stock price movements. We've got too many new analytics names, too many new video conferencing plays, too many data collectors, too many analytics providers, too many cybersecurity outfits, and don't even get me started on electric vehicle derivatives or cannabis or financial technology. The result, we're now facing a bewildering number of publicly traded companies that do basically the same thing. Companies that are impossible to differentiate and often too hard to understand unless you're already part of the industry, and most people aren't. Why does that matter? Because these stocks are what I call defenseless stocks. They have no protection against inflation. Far too many of them sell at ridiculously high valuations based on sales now and maybe earnings in the distant future. And inflation erodes the value of those future earnings. That makes these stocks, which represent companies that are losing fortunes, very tough to own right now. By the same token, they're also defenseless against a booming economy. I've been reading through countless software as a service conference calls, and my eyes just glaze over when they talk about their go-to-market strategy or their huge potential total addressable market. Who needs all these buzzwords when the underlying company is growing at a 27% clip but losing boatloads of money? See, we've got plenty of high-quality industrials that are growing at a 27% clip or faster and spewing cash. Their biggest problem is figuring out what to do with their huge piles of money. They're defenseless against senior growth companies in the same industries with a more balanced policy toward dividends and buybacks. Those buybacks let you sop up excess stock. The dividend yield attracts more buyers. But the newly minted software as a service land and expand names, they don't have anything like that, which makes them much more vulnerable to sudden stocks, sudden shocks, downturns. They're defenseless against insider selling. These companies often have insiders who are desperate to ring the register. They just need to wait for the lockup period to come to an end. In most cases, the insiders still have huge gains, which is why they're eager to sell, even if the stocks are down 30 or 40 percent from their highs or more. They're defenseless against the, the just plethora of SPACs out there. While there's some good SPAC names, there are way too many bad ones with too much stock sloshing around. I keep thinking about the secondary, and I don't mean to pick on one company, but it's so visible. A, a, a secondary offering from MP Materials. Now, we've had them on. Uh, it was a secondary offering in late March, where entities controlled by CEO James Latinsky, who was on our show, sold 4.6 million shares at a deal priced at $35. Of course, that was only a small percentage of his holdings, and many other insiders sold too, but that's not the point. Just a couple of weeks before the secondary, this stock traded at 50 bucks. If you use the weakness from the stock offering to do some buying, well, you got to annihilate it, as MP Materials has continued to fall down to $26 as of today. And I'm sure they'll be upset that I singled them out. I could have picked many companies, but they were on the show. Even with the successful SPACs, the true measure of success is how much you managed to sell before the stock got cut in half. There are hundreds of these things. And when you consider all the warrants out there, you know the market's going to be overwhelmed with the stuff. This is precisely what I didn't want to have happen. You will not see that kind of secondary from Deer or warrants from Caterpillar. That's for certain. Or Eli Lilly or PepsiCo or Stanley Black & Decker or the railroads or any of the stocks I mentioned at the top of the show. Now, there are still people out there willing to buy these incredibly risky stocks. People like Kathy Wood, who did knock it out of the park last year with all her favorite momentum stocks because they were flying. But she's having a terrible year in 2021, thanks in large part to the stock glut. I don't mean to pick on Kathy Wood either. She's had an incredible understanding of the old normal. But these turbocharged growth stocks don't work in a booming economy. Too much conviction could be a dangerous thing. No big managers went to own a Wood stock. 
So what's the end game for these stocks if the economy keeps heating up and the Fed allows inflation to accelerate? I think there's simply not enough money coming in from young people or ETFs to rescue these stocks right now. And there's too much opportunity for the insiders to do what MP Materials did. Even though MP reported a great quarter last week, it didn't matter because they had dumped so much stock in the market. And that's what they're going to be known as. Too much supply, not enough demand. That means the newly hated high-risk stocks are headed even lower. And the winners I talked about at the top will keep winning. And those are the ones that you buy when the market goes down. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money, as I did at the top of the show. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.